The book of 2 Peter, chapter 2, is where we'll be reading our scripture today. Now, you know we've got our little uh, title that we've been using, The Times of the Sign. And our subtitle for today's part three in this series is The End Game of Apostasy. Now, I know, you know, like we said, uh, sometimes talking about and preaching about and teaching about things like apostasy, things like the end times kind of wear on some people's nerves. But I want us to be able to look into what Peter's talking about here and what we'll see Jesus talking about as well and understand why it is necessary for you and I to be aware of the signs that are going on and the times that you and I live in. So let's just go ahead and dive right into scripture. Let me get my glasses out. Now you know what we're, uh, the intent is behind this series. What we're doing is being able to understand what is going on around us. That, that apart from uh, the wars and the rumors of wars, apart from earthquakes in, in many places, apart from all these things, uh, the, the, the things that we see throughout Scripture that we can look at and say, well, uh, the, you know, the, the day is approaching and it looks like it's near. Uh, the thing that points to that more than anything is the fact and the reality of the amount of apostasy that we see within the very church that you and I worship in. Not this building, but the body of Christ. Those who would come into the body of Christ and proclaim to be its very disciples and apostles today are proclaiming heresy. This is the greatest sign of all that we know that the soon return of Jesus Christ is upon us. Let's look at what Peter said. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Peter writing over here. Now, what I want you to do later on today, if, if you've got time, and hopefully you will, because I think this will be uh, very productive for you. You know that uh, our verses and chapter divisions are added later on. These are not inspired by any stretch of the imagination. This is actually where we're going to pick up today. This is actually a continuation of the thought that Peter has in chapter 1, where he's exhorting the church, you know, you have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We, we are kept by his grace and by his mercy. And I want you to remember these things. I want you to hold fast to these things. And he gets down to the end and, you know, he's talking about uh, not just the fact that uh, I was eyewitness. I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus, you know, not the fact that I was an eyewitness, but you have a more sure word of prophecy even than this. You've got the word. You've got scriptures. And you see, this is a continuation of that thought that he was presenting there, that he was telling them that they're, you know, that the, the 
prophets of old were moved by the Holy Spirit to speak these things, to prophesy these things. The old time prophets were moved. And then he said, this. Even those guys, Elijah, Isaiah, Moses, all these guys that prophesied things for the Lord. And then Peter adds this. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Now we see here what Peter is talking about. Yes, the prophets of old prophesied as they were moved by the Spirit of the Lord. And that you're going to, as you go forward in the church, Peter talking to them, as you go forward, you're going to have to deal with these things. Because it's not a new thing that we see apostasy. It's not a new thing that we hear false teaching. It's not a new thing that people will use the word of God and the gospel for a means of financial gains. It's not a new thing. These things have been going on. They have been happening. Even in Peter's time, they were going on. Even in Elijah's time, they were going on. You had the false prophets over there telling King Ahab, oh, everything's fine. God, God's going to bless you. Oh, we're going to be victorious over our enemies. And you know what God had to finally do? He had to finally just give them lied prophets a false prophecy because they weren't speaking the truth. And you see, this has been going on for a long, long time. But the fact of what we see in scripture that points us to this time when Jesus is preparing for his return, we see a proliferation of this. We see an increase in this. We see things going on, building up to what is going to happen in the last days. Notice what Peter says here in verse one. All right, I'm, I'm sorry, in verse three. And finishing off and through covetousness, they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Now in verse 1, Peter begins, there were false prophets also among the people. That's what he was speaking of. There's false prophets now, Peter was saying, they were back then. Nothing new. That's the way it's always been. Even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and brought upon themselves swift destruction. You see, this is a thing. This is what is so terrible with what's going on in our world today and especially in the church. The price has been paid. The price has been paid. Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary paid 
our price. There's nothing, nothing that any of us can add to that. I don't care how small you might think you are or how great you might think you are. There is nothing that you can add to what Jesus Christ has done. that, That place right there at the foot of the cross is level. There's no big eyes and little U's there. It's all Jesus Christ. It's all him. It's nothing of me. And you see, people will even deny this in this day. And this is what we see with the proliferation of of people who will teach that you've got to bring something else to the game. You can't just depend on what Jesus has done. You've got to do a little good work yourself. You've got to do some good deeds. You've got to throw in something a little extra, if you will. And you see, all that we're doing with that, all that they're teaching when they teach these things, is that the blood of Christ is not sufficient to save me from my sins. That's heresy. That's heresy. It's all Jesus. Peter said, you're going to have to deal with these things, people. You're going to see why, you're going to see that false teachers are going to come in among you. Not you're going to see them out there, but they're going to come in among you. You see what Peter's saying? They're going to come in among you. Now think about this. I mean, just, just, just right here. Right here, right now, think about this. Bottom line, rubber meets the road. Do you really believe in God? Do you really believe in God? Because if you do, you believe in his word. You trust in his word. I'm just being honest with you. Do you really believe what he said? Do you really believe the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Creator of all mankind, is coming back for His church? I think most of you do. I I feel that. I really believe that. But let me tell you this. You may not believe it, but you better be sure that Satan believes it. We are at war. We are at war. You see, Satan tried from the beginning of time to stop this thing. He's been trying to throw wrenches in the cogs every single step of the way. Why did God have to send the flood back in Noah's day? Because Satan tried to corrupt the genetic line of mankind so that the Savior could not be born. He's been trying. He's been trying. Why did the old Pharaoh raise up one day and say, you know, those Jews are getting a little numerous over there. Why don't you start throwing them little baby boys in the river over there? Feed them to the crocodiles. That was Satan trying to destroy the people of God. Because why? Because he knew that one day God had promised Abraham, by your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And so Satan said, that's it. If I can destroy him, I can stop it. Missed out. Missed out. You see, he's been trying. Over there in the wilderness. When the the children, those same children were wandering around, griping and complaining. 
And God said, listen, Moses, I'm, I'm going to kill this people, and then I'll, I'll just raise somebody else up. And Moses said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You see, Satan has been trying to destroy the people of God. Time and time again. He knew when Jesus came. What did we see there? When Jesus came, after he was baptized, he was, went away into the wilderness for the 40 days, remember, to be, what, tempted of Satan. He was tempted like we are. And he was tempted in that time. And Satan told him, said, look, if you'll just bow to me, what, I'll, I'll give you these kingdoms. Now, his authority was legitimate. They, were, they are Satan's to give at this time, at this time. He could have done that. But Jesus said, no, worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. And so Satan has been trying to stop the plan of God Every single step of the way. And he knows, just like you and I know, when the cross was accomplished and salvation was paid for, he realized, hey, I lost that one. I lost that one. But guess what? You see, we may look at the Bible and we look and say, well, uh, all, all it's good all this prophecy happened and everything like that. And, you know, it's real good that we can look and read Scripture. Uh, it's real inspiring and all such as that. No, no, no. Prophecy is still being fulfilled to this day. And there is prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. And do you know what? Satan is still trying to stop it. There's a little thing called the harpezo, the rapture of the church, the resurrection of the dead. The dead in Christ shall what? Rise first. And the, uh, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, snatched up in the air to meet him. And so shall we ever be. You think Satan likes that? No, he hates that. And he's trying his best to stop it. He's trying to stop it. How can he do that? Well, if there's nobody that believes left. If I can just slip in the back door right back there. Just put a little, just throw a little leaven out there. A little yeast. Any bakers in here? Got a few. I know my wife does. She's, she's grinding up stuff all the time in that. She should make about... Uh, Three loaves of, of bread, which is good now. I'm not complaining. Okay, I'm not complaining. But you know how that goes. You got what? You got your flour. You got your, all your other ingredients. And all your other ingredients are in this big old giant bowl. How much yeast do you put in there? You don't put a whole lot, do you? Just to put a little yeast in there. And guess what it does? It just sits there by itself. Mmm. Just, it does just like what Jesus said. It infects the whole leaven. It infects the whole, it goes all throughout the loaf, all throughout the bread. It affects it and makes it rise. Sin is the same way. Heresy, apostasy is the same way. We're not talking about Satan kicking in the back doors of the church or the front doors and coming in and saying, hey, this is heresy, I want you to believe it. No, it's just a little 
Those little bit out there. So you see why you and I have to be on guard? You see why we have to have our radar up? To pay attention to what's going on? To be nitpicky, if you will. Peter said there's false prophets back in the day. There's going to be false teachers among you now. And there's going to be false teachers later on. Why is that important? Look what he said. Verse 2. And many, many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil. Spoken of. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. How? How can somebody follow error? How can somebody be tricked? How can somebody be deceived? Remember what, how we started this whole thing? Remember what Jesus said to his disciples who asked him what's going to be the sign of, the, of your coming and of the end of the age? And the first thing he said, do not be deceived. Don't let nobody deceive you. And for that speech was over with four different times. He said, don't be deceived. Because that's what he said. That's what he knows. That Satan is going to try to deceive us every step of the way. Because there's still things that are happening in prophecy and in our future that he is trying to prevent. It's not a, the war still going on. The things that we see going on in our world around us are merely a physical manifestation that you and I can see of things that are going on in the heavenlies. We are at war. And Satan hates us. He hates the word of God. He hates the gospel of Jesus Christ. He hates the fact that one day he's going to come back for his own. He hates the fact that God has promised Abraham, I'm going to save your people. I'm going to come down and they're going to call out to me. He hates the fact that one day Jesus said, uh, I'll not see you again until you call out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they will cry and mourn and look upon him whom they have pierced. And Satan is trying to stop it. Even today, Peter said, there's going to be a lot of people that fall off into that job. They'll follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth. You remember what Jesus said, I am what the way, the truth, the life. By reason of whom the way of truth it shall be evil spoken of. Look at this verse, verse 3. What he said. And though through and through covetousness shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. You see, through covetousness. Now he's talking about these false prophets that are coming into our church. He's talking about the people that are going throughout the history of the church, going to try to come into the church. And as the day approaches, 
that is going only going to increase more and more and more and more. But you know what? These jokers get slicker and slicker and slicker too. It gets harder and harder and harder to pick them out. They sound real good when they first start off. They sound real good. You see, it's just like, do you, you know what rat poison is? We've talked about this. You know what rat poison is? 99.9% inert materials. In other words, stuff that don't, I could eat it and it wouldn't bother me. But that 0.01%, that's what gets you. That's the poison. That is the poison. And you see, this is what Peter's talking about. Through covetousness shall with feigned work, feigned, you're like this. That Greek word there, feigned, plastos. Recognize that? Plastic. Plastic words. How about that? That's what Peter's saying, with plastic words. Plastic word, with plastic words, plastic preachers are going to preach a plastic gospel. And guess what's going to happen in the day that our works are tried with fire? Plastic's going to burn up, ain't it? It ain't going to make the cut. It's not going to make it. With feigned, with false words is what Peter is saying. They shall make merchandise of you. You'll like that uh, uh, Greek word there that is translated make merchandise because it's, you'll see it's the root Emporio mine, which I'm not pronouncing it correct, but I'm not going to try to either. You got to roll your R in that one, and I can't, I can't roll the R. So it's the word that we get, or, or the same root that we get, emporium. Now, some of you young folks may not realize what an emporium is, but it's one of these big places where you can go and there's all kind of stuff. And, you know, you can find whatever you want at the Emporium because they got it all. Well, this is the word Peter's using. They shall make merchandise of you. It means to go trading, to travel for business. And get, I like this last one down here. To use a person or a thing for gain. For gain. You've heard me talk about the, the, the funniest pages in Scripture before, hadn't you? Or in, in the Bible. The one at the front, you know, where it says, copyright, we own this stuff. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't own the Word of God. And you see, this is a world that we live in. Now, I'm not knocking anything. or any, Well, I guess I am, too. Just go ahead and tell it like it is. I am. Christian books, Christian music, they're multi-million, multi-billion dollar industries. I mean, you got mega pastors, you got America's pastors, they write 75 books, you got America's best-selling Christian author, book after book after book after book. And that's okay, if you want to make a living, that's fine. But don't at the same time purport to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ through that. Because this was paid for on Calvary. I can't charge you for this. 
or I'm a heretic. I'm an apostate. To charge for the gospel of Jesus Christ, to, to present it and to use it for my own gain, what he has paid for, what he paid the price for, and I'm going to use it for my gain. But you see people today in our culture, in our society, they'll do what? Well, it, if I don't have to pay for it, it's not worth anything. Something that's free, you know, it's, it's not, you know, we, we go by that old adage, you get what you pay for. Well, that might be true as far as, you know, a car or a house or something like that. But when it comes to salvation, you can throw that one out the window. Because you can't pay for it and you'll never get anything like it. It's the greatest thing. The greatest thing. But you see what Peter's talking about is indicative of the church. Remember the, ch the churches that Jesus wrote to in Revelation? It's indicative of the church at Laodicea. Why is it so important that we be able to identify apostasy? Why is it so important that we be able to see what's going on in the world around us? If we remember what Jesus said to that church, and if you can, I'll read it right quick. Over there in Revelation chapter 3, he wrote this letter. He said, unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, of the Laodicean right? these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works that thou art neither hot nor cold. Ooh, I would that thou were hot nor cold. So then because thou art lukewarm of neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Literally, I will vomit. That's what he's saying. You're not cold, you're not hot. You make me sick. Sick to my stomach. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. <coughs> Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. And I've sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You see, these churches, each one being an indication of a specific time in church history. This one being the time that you and I are living in, the church of Laodicea. Now, each church is represented all throughout time. But this is what... Christ is saying. This is what he's saying about the time that you and I live in. The church of Laodicea is what? That church that has need of nothing. Rich. We've got everything. We don't need anything. We got the lights. 
We got the smoke. We got everything. We we got the big bands. Uh, you know, we've got uh, all kind of different programs going on. Uh, we got something going on every night of the week. We've got it all happening. But they're blind. They're wretched. They're naked. And you see, this is what Christ is talking about. You recognize that verse 20 over there? We've all heard that verse before, haven't we? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open them to me, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. We've heard that probably many times uh, during altar call or, you know, uh, uh, throughout preaching and history. Uh, but listen, in the context that this verse is used in, and this is what we have to understand about the church at Laodicea uh, and how it applies to what's going to be happening at the end times. Because what's going to go eventually happen more and more and more is the church is going to gravitate more and more and more to this right here. <clears throat> to the point that where Jesus is dealing with what either small pockets or even individuals, the church will become so apostate. And you see, that's what kind of escapes our mind to, to think that it could come to that point. But remember, church, we are at war. And Satan is laying the groundwork, has been laying the groundwork to take Christ's church down. That's what he, he hates it. He hates it. And he wants to take it down. And he slides people in. Just you don't have to tell the whole truth. Just, just put this in there. Just put that in there. Oh, God wants you to be happy all the time. God wants you to be successful. God wants you to uh, drive this or fly that, you know, all such as that. God wants you to feel good about yourself. Just slide that right in there. Oh, that's got to be true. 99.9% .9 truth. 0.1% lie. Guess what happens to the truth? It gets corrupted. It becomes corrupted. You see why folks call you uh, old-timey, old-fashioned, uh, bigoted, uh, all kind of different names? You see why they start calling you that? Because what? We live in a world of what? Inclusion and diversity. We live in a world where everyone is accepted and no one is wrong. I'm just telling you the truth. We live in a world where no one has the right to say this is right or that is wrong. That's relative. It's left up to the own individual. You decide what's right for you and you decide what's wrong for you. And I'll do the same for me. And we'll all get along. We'll all coexist together. That's the world that we live in. And it sounds great. Yeah, it's, a, it's lies. It's heresy. It is in direct opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what? We are all sinners. And we must all repent of our sins. We must all believe that Christ died for our sins. That's what Peter was talking about. Listen, let's close with this. Jesus, the way he uh, explains this, and, and I believe 
the the great way to, to help understand what Peter's talking about. We all know this parable. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Just want to read that right quick. This is the parable of the ten virgins. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Very last say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. If we truly, truly understood what Christ was saying with here, it would make us shake and quake in fear to truly understand the day that's coming to you and I, the day that is ahead. Uh, now, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to make you fear or make you fearful for the future. It's, as long as you are in Christ Jesus, that's what he's talking about. That oil in the lamp, that's the illumination of the Holy Spirit for God's word. You see, there were what? There were 10 virgins waiting on the bridegroom to arrive. And when did he show up? In the night. Middle of the night, didn't he? Work in the day, for the night is coming when no man works. I'll come like a thief in the night. That's when the bridegroom showed up. But get this now, you see, because we look, well, those five foolish virgins, they, they should have had all in their lap. True, they should have. But notice this, how many of those were asleep? All of them. They were all asleep. They were all asleep. All 10 of them were asleep. But there were five that had oil in their lamp. And what did he say there? That's it. Verse 10, and while they went to buy, in other words, the five foolish went to get oil in their lamp. What does it say about the other ones? The bridegroom came. And they that were ready, ready. Why is it important 
to study prophecy? Why is it important to know what kind of apostasy is going on in the world? Why is it important for us to pay attention to what this preacher says or that preacher says or what somebody else teaches it? Why is it so important to call out sin and to call sin, sin? Why is it important? Because listen, church, we are required by the word of the living God, by the words of Christ himself, that we are to be ready for his return. We're to be ready. We're to be looking. Peter says looking and hastening for that day. Jesus himself said, when I come, will I find the faith? Do you believe him? Do you believe he's coming back? And you see, that's our challenge as the body of Christ. It's to live that life before those around us, our friends, our community. And it's getting harder and harder, is it not? Is it not? You go out into the world. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you about Jesus. Getting harder and harder. There's a lot of Jesuses being talked about out there today. A lot of different Jesuses. They're all good buddy Jesuses. They don't, they don't, they don't care if, you, if you're uh, about right or wrong. They just want to be your friend. That's not the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's not what he said. He said, be ready. Keep your eyes and ears open. Do not believe. He told him himself. What's going to be the signs of the end and the coming in the last days? And he said, lo, they're going to run to and fro. Over here, they'll say, I'm Christ. Over there, they'll say, I'm Christ. But don't believe it. Don't believe it. And you see, what they're going to do is they're going to look so nice and bright and shiny. They're going to sound real good. Listen, I like to try to think that I, I've, I've learned a little something in life that I've, you know, uh, matured and, and got a little bit of uh, learning and knowledge and, you know, studying everything. But I, I, I'm here to tell you, I am no match for Satan. He will spit me up and chew me out, hands down. He's got it. He's been at it a long time. And once again, he hates us. So you see, church, what we're charged to do, to be ready, why it's so important for us to be able to identify apostasy in the world today. One of your friends, one of your family, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, but someday soon they'll ask you, well, I heard those so-and-so say something. I heard this preacher over there say that if I would just, uh, you know, believe and have faith and send him $20 that I'd be healed or I'd get a new job or something like that. And you got to be able to, from Scripture, instruct Reproof that friend, that loved one, and be able to show them from Scripture. This is what God's Word says. We're not going by man's feelings. We're not going by emotion. We're going by the Word of God. And you see, when we can do that through God's Word, that builds 
that seed of faith that we might draw that person closer to the point to where the Holy Spirit can say, let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. And that's the greatest thing that we can do. That's the greatest thing that we can do is bring somebody to the saving knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is it not? In the end, that's all that matters. Get them to Jesus. Get them to Jesus. Get them to Jesus. David, come with a verse of a song. And listen, this is going to be our invitation here today. I don't know. If you're here today and never accepted the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, remember what Paul said to believe in the gospel. Believe that he died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. This is the gospel of Christ. This is belief. This is salvation. And then once you believe, you become uh, his, and you start to be discipled, you start to grow in the word, you trust in him. If that's what you need to do today, let's take care of that. But if there's something in your life that you maybe want to pray about, you can come to these altars. Hey, guess what? Guess what? You can pray right where you're at. But listen, we've got to be a praying church. That's one thing Peter was talking about is obeying the moving of the Holy Spirit. We've got so scared today of anything spiritual, of anything that the Holy Spirit is involved. We've almost become, you know, paralyzed to let him in the door. And, you know, rightfully so, because what most of what we see that's passed off as Holy Spirit is nothing but holy crazy. And that, you know, we get to the point to where we're like, well, no, no, we ain't got none of that. Don't bring none of that in here. But you see that once again, that's the way Satan works. Show up where the truth is at. Sprinkle a little leaven out there and guess what? Before you know it, you got prophets standing up proclaiming, I got a word from the Lord. I got a revelation I got a new word. You see, it doesn't take much. And then you get folks like me that look at that and say, well, don't want that here. You see how Satan works? He puts brother against brother, friend against friend. You, you, you ever wonder why Christ said that because of iniquity, the love of many shall wax cold? That's where we're at. That's where we're at. Listen, if you need to pray, you come down here and pray. If you need to come for salvation, you come down here. If you need to take care of that where you're at, you take care of it where you're at. I don't care. You just take care of it. You get it done. While we stand, what you say?